Maurice and I would like to take a little time to thank Robert Rogers and all the folks at Parks Motor Sales for sponsoring the Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today special guest podcast. When you need special treatment during your next new or pre-owned vehicle purchase, visit Parks Motor Sales at 919 Nashville Highway in Columbia or visit them online at parksmotorsales.com. It's Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today. Once again, with Mo, here's Chris. Here's Mo, no Chris. I'm Maurice Patton. Thanks for joining us here on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Coach Mike over here on the controls. Dave Foster sitting in for Chris Yao. And on the Parks Motor Sales Hotline, we have TSWA Hall of Famer Teresa Walker. Good morning. Good morning, Mo. Good morning, Dave. How are you guys doing on this fine Friday? We're do- we're doing pretty well, I think. Dave, we, we doing well, well, I'm in good company here. A couple of Hall of Famers that I'm with. That is true. That is true. What, and wait a minute. Why did we let Dave in here again, Mo? <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, just I'll just leave now. <laughs> no, you won't. We still got two segments, big boy. Um, Teresa, um. It's been pretty quiet on the Titans front, has it not? You know, here over the last little bit, anyway, a week before the draft. Well, yeah, but th- that's the thing. Th- this, this is the pattern under John Robinson. You know, he, he gets his free agents. You know, he signs the guys that he's going to keep from his own thing. And uh, then it kind of tails off. And now, uh, you know, last year, I'm thinking, I don't think Jonathan Joseph was signed until like right around the draft or you know, maybe the week before the draft and, you know, to a one-year deal that ended up not being a deal they probably should have made. But, uh, you know, he's at a point, especially with the calorie, uh, excuse me, salary cap space. I got my second vaccination an hour ago, so maybe it's already affecting my speech. Uh, I'm kidding. Um, but (laughs) Don't uh, say that. (laughs) I know, I know. Too many people will believe it. Uh, Instead of me just being stumbling with my tongue, there's a reason I'm a writer. Um, But, they don't have a ton of cap space, and there's not anybody out there. I mean, you know, shoot, they weren't going to sign Xavier Clowney again. That's for sure. So, you know, they're at a point where it's, you know, it's it's focus on the draft, get that draft board set, and, and you know, finalize who you have as your top players going into this draft so that they're ready because, guys, uh, two weeks from the day, we're, they're, they're going to be resetting that board for, for night two and rounds two through three of the draft. So, you know, there's not a whole lot to be done right now. You know, maybe you go sign another guy or two, but I, it's kind of at a point where see what you get in the draft, then see if there's any other holes that you need to fi- uh, fill on this roster. Um, where do you think they go in round one? I'm torn. I, I can make a case for cornerback, uh, and I can also make a need, uh, a need for, for wide receiver, and I kind of lean toward wide receiver. It's all going to come down to, you know, what, you know, what's best available on their board. You know, if a, if a J.C. Horn falls to them at 22, you, you go get him. You know, if you really have Greg Newsom of Northwestern, you know, a kid who had a very fast 40 time at his pro day at Northwestern, then you, you, you go get him. Or, you know, let's face it, I, I, 
count me among the people that would love to see Elijah Moore and, uh, you know, reunited an Ole Miss guy, reunited with uh, another Ole Miss guy, A.J. Brown, on this offense. Yes, they signed Josh Reynolds, uh, but I, I still think they need more help at wide receiver, and that's why I wouldn't mind seeing them take that in the first round. But then you look at the, the defensive side, and, you know, Jackrabbit Jenkins, you know, that's kind of a, a stopgap measure. You, know, you got Christian Fulton, who you took in the draft last year. You know they signed these pieces, but you know getting another cornerback is an absolute must in this draft. So, uh, and there's more wide receivers uh, in this draft than there seem to be cornerbacks. So I think it's just going to be how does it come through? Uh, you know who's there available when they get to 22? And I wouldn't be surprised if you know maybe he trades. You know, this is John Robinson. We've seen him trade up a couple spots to get somebody he likes. We've seen, you know, I won't be surprised, though, if he drops back a couple spots, if he can add another draft pick. Why? Because of the salary cap situation. They need some cheaper talent. <laughs> um, I like Elijah Moore. I'm not sure I like him in the first round. I agree with that. Well, but I've seen some people see, that's the thing. It's, you know, it's all how you, you know, you gauge somebody if you love them or not, you know? Uh, and, and, you know, that's why if you could, if you could get him in the second round, get a cornerback in the first, Elijah Moore in the second, I think that would be a great draft. Um, but, you know, that's the thing. There, and, and there's so many good receivers out there. I mean, shoot, Tennessee's Josh Palmer, when, you know, when, you know, people were like, oh, he, you know, initial gauges were like, oh, he might be a, a fifth round guy. And now he seems to have, through the pro day and everything, he seems to have worked his way up that ladder. And, you know, he might even get picked in the third or second round. So it, it's going to be fun to watch. This is the time of year where all these experts talk for months and months. And then the draft happens, and you're going to get the immediate draft grades. And it's like, well, you know, and they're graded on how people had these players pick themselves, not so much whether it's the right fit and situation for a team. So, and remember, uh, uh, football players, just like beauty, is in the eye of the beholder. <laughs> and, and I'll say this, Teresa, and, and past performance is not a prediction of, of the future here, but. I've seen the Titans, not all this front office, but I've seen the Titans take a lot of receivers in the first round and not end up with first-round production out of those picks. That scares me about that that pick, going receiver. Well, Dave, that's the thing. You're rolling the dice on these guys anyway. I mean, let's not forget, a year ago, people thought Isaiah Wilson was going to be starting at right tackle midway through the season last year, and now he's out of the NFL. So, uh, you know, it's all about how they come in and produce. And, you know, Corey Davis, you know, there were a lot of people wondering. He was the first pick in 2017. And right now, you know, he got a really nice check with the Jets. You know, off of that one seat, he had one really great season this last year. And that's what he got. It's it's a roll of the dice, guys. As much as as much as much all these draft experts and, and Mel Kuyper and, you know, Todd McShay and all these guys want to make help try to convince people that everybody knows exactly what's going to happen and who's going to matter. No, it, it's, it's, it's like, you know, it's a crapshoot. So have we decided that we're okay at edge rusher that we don't need to go that way in the first round? I think so, because you got Harold Landry. Now that, that said, it is still a need, you know? So if they, if they took a guy in the first round, would not be surprised at all. But then, then you've got to figure out how are you getting that person some playing time. Their first rounder needs to be able to come in and contribute immediately. And with Bud Dupree, Harold Landry, it's just not the primary need, at least not in my thought process, because they do have, you know, they upgraded this year, they hope, uh, 
with Bud Dupree, and then you got Danico Autry inside. So, you know, they do they need depth? Absolutely. You know, could that be their third round pick, second round pick? Sure, because um, they do need absolutely depth there. Because you know, it's you got you can't do to Harold Landry what he did last year, which was play. Oh, you know. The amount of snaps that Landry played last year, they didn't want him. They were wanting, they went into the season wanting to limit, you know, and, and help keep him fresher. Well, you've got to have depth to do that. And they did not have that last year. And, you know, the young man played a ton, a ton of snaps. Speaking on the Parks Motor Sales Hotline with Teresa Walker of the Associated Press, you know, you mentioned corner as probably the primary need along with receiver. And you mentioned, um, a kid from Northwestern who is getting a lot of attention, and I cannot remember his name, but it. Greg Newsom. Yes, it it really stood out to me. I guess I've just watched too much Southeastern Conference football. I don't know. I I feel a little bit allergic to Big Ten cornerbacks. Big Ten bias that you've got there. It 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 is it is. Um, I'll own it, but I'm I'm just not sure what other cornerbacks are in that mix along with Mr. Newsom. Well, there's Asante Samuel Jr. Uh, and, and, and um, yeah, I'm starting to feel old when I see guys <laughs> who are coming into the draft who I, you know, I was, you know, I've been covering the NFL. This will be my 25th season. So, you know, some of these kids coming in, they're, you know, covered their daddies back in the day. So, yeah, that doesn't help me feel – I need some Jericho right now. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, so Asante Samuel Jr., J.C. Horn, yes, the son of another former NFL player. Uh, I'm trying to think of a couple others. But there, there are some out there that are definite options. Hey, um, what about um, the Sartain kid? Yes, uh, another son of You're somebody right. else. Tennessee fans remember his dad very, very well. A two-point conversion once upon a time against Tennessee. So, uh, you know, that's th- th- there are several uh, cornerbacks. And I kind of lean towards what you're thinking there, Mo. The idea that uh, I'm probably, maybe it's SEC bias, you know, uh, location bias. We've seen these guys and we've seen, you know, the, you know, the SEC is not that, uh, you know, three three downs in a cloud of dust anymore kind of thing. It's, uh, you know, this is, these, these are some offenses that can put up some points. And, you know, Josh Heupel's bringing that to Tennessee, we hope, this year. But uh, so, you know, it, it, and here's the thing, though. It comes down to the physical ability. And that's a lot of what NFL teams are looking at. You know, yes, the, the, the tape in this year, particularly with no NFL combine and just a pro day to go off of, you know, yes, you're trying to, to look at how they, you know, Newsom's got speed, absolutely speed. Now he's done some, he's had some good productions, yes, against big 10 quarterbacks and offenses and easy to, you know, to second guess that, you know, we've seen how well they tend to show out in, in bowl games. So we're a little prejudiced there, but, you know, uh, there are options and, uh, you know, he, he had some good stats. Uh, you know, uh, I'm trying to think. In fact, I just read about him a couple hours ago. But you know, he was really good on not allowing completions and and, and things like that. So you know, that's going to be up for the coaches to decide. You know, they look at these guys and you know, can I make them do what I need to do in my system? Mm-hmm. And and that's the thing. That's what makes this draft such a such a you know crapshoot is because you know a player can look good here and then you bring him in and, and it's maybe trying to put a square peg into a round hole. Sometimes you know what you thought will fit just doesn't work and kind of like five and four star guys going from high school to college some guys just some don't develop and continue growing the way you hope they would you know to be fair I was saying a big 10 bias and I was joking about it but as you think about the Titans offense right now if you look at the quarterback 
the running back, the best receiver. What conference were they all from? <laughs> SEC. It just means more. It, it just means more, yeah. I would tend to go that way. Well, and, and that's the interesting thing. It feels like the Titans have been going that way. I mean, shoot, the whole NFL. I mean, there's a reason why. I mean, you know, the, the, the big question in two weeks is how many Alabama guys will go in the first 10? You know, Matt Jones, Devontae Smith, uh, Najee Harris. Uh, and I'm forgetting the guy who got hurt in the Tennessee game, uh, Jalen Waddell. So it's like, you know, they could have a handful in just that first round. Uh, NFL teams are, are, you know, the SEC has been leading the, you know, college, uh, the leagues in the number of draft picks over the last few years for a reason. Yeah, NFL wants into that SEC mix as well. And as you were mentioning, the top three guys on the offensive side of the ball, you neglected to mention Jeffrey Simmons from Mississippi State on defense. I did, and I also neglected to mention Isaiah Wilson, who also came from the SEC. Oh, well, so so maybe it's not a hundred. You know, everybody has a clunker every once in a while. So yeah, um, we're on the park. And by the way, guys, real quick, mm-hmm. uh, apparently John Fulkerson has announced on social media that he's coming back for his sixth year. Oh, that's big on for Tennessee. That's big on top of the number two recruiting class that uh, Rick Barnes has quickly put together with the, uh, you know, two five stars now in that class. So uh, and they've got a point guard and they've got some a front court. So this is going to be interesting. And they, they got that guy um, who reclassified into 2021. That's coming. Uh, Brandon Nixon. Huntley. I, I can't remember his whole name, but yeah, yeah he reclassified and signed, uh, uh, signed yesterday. Tennessee confirmed that last night. So, yeah, that bumps them. They had been like eighth overall uh, with the, the Jordan Adu uh, signing, and then the, the the Brandon Huntley Hartley. I'm gonna have to figure that one out. It's a hyphenated name, mm-hmm. but he reclassified, and oh yeah, he he just bumped him up to number two overall. So uh, one of the probably the best recruiting class I can remember by Tennessee ever. I mean, number two nationally by the 24/7 Sports Composite rankings. I like not, that for Fulkerson, by the way, too. He, I had, do he too. had a rough year, and he needs well, he to- had a rough year, and and I'm not sure, I'm not sure that he's going to be an NBA guy when it comes right down to it. So he may as well maximize his NCAA, you know, collegiate experience. But Teresa, you talk about this being the number two recruiting class in the country. Not bad for a guy who was supposed to be coming to sit in a rocking chair and just ease out i think folks i think folks really missed on rick barnes when he came true but as i told somebody last night about the you know the the latest landing and being number two the the quick quick response was so how far is it going to go in march um so yeah that's ultimately what rick barnes you know recruiting at least he's getting to march that wasn't always a given uh with with, exactly tennessee in the last 20 years some years yes some years no Exactly, Dave. And, and, but here's the thing. The thing that I like about this group, you know, Kennedy Chandler, a true point guard. And now they have a, de- a front court. I mean, the, the Jordan Adu kid is seven foot. Uh, the kid, uh, Brandon Huntley, Hartley, uh, and I'm probably confusing those. I, I struggled with Josiah Jordan James as well for a while. Or <laughs> Jordan Josiah. Anyway, yeah. too many hyphens and too many J's there. But, uh, you know, point guard, true point guard, Tennessee did not have that this last year. They had guards but nobody who could really take the ball when they needed to and maybe go to the bucket. And then they, you know, the front court. I mean, when Fulkerson was was struggling and injured, you know, they didn't have anyone who could come off the bench and, and replace him and, and help hold that down. So those are, you know, those are two areas that have absolutely been addressed. And, you know, on paper at least, 
they should have, you know, they should be right up there to be a favorite to win the SEC again. Brandon Huntley Hatfield. Thank you. Another three name. Uh, yeah, so. yeah. BHH. I always I struggled. J. I struggled I with the the Jordan James wanting to say James Jordan a lot of times too. The, <laughs> I reversed those, so it took me a while to get those uh, memorized as well. Hey, it's it, not easy. It's still not as bad as former Ole Miss running back Ben Jarvis Green Ellis. <laughs> that was a tough one. The law firm. That was a uh, lot. Yeah. Exactly. That was a lot of words to put together. So. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, Teresa Walker of the Associated Press joining us here on the Parks Motor Sales Hotline. And we're getting some bonus coverage as she's going to stick with us after this break into the final segment of today's show. So um, we're going to take that break right here and come back to you in a few minutes here on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Tennessee Sports Today, the sports talk show you've always wanted. Well, that was interesting. Didn't mix quite as well as I thought it would when I did it, okay. when I was thinking about it. Okay. <laughs> All right. It was, it was an idea. Seemed like a good idea at the time. At the time, yeah. Welcome back to the final final segment of Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. I'm Maurice Patton, Coach Mike over here experimenting. Um, Chris Yao, again, expected back Monday. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. We'll stay tuned. Dave Foster, former Fox 17 sports anchor with us. And again, on the Parks Motor Sales Hotline, Teresa Walker, and I came that close to saying Teresa Phillips, but caught myself at the very last minute. Um, T. Yes. You find yourself covering a potential NHL playoff team that maybe a month ago would not have been expected to be the case. Uh, hey, guys, I absolutely had them written off uh, in February. At the end of February, I was taking snapshots, uh, screenshots of the uh, standings. They were 28 in late February, okay? And, uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, David Poyle on Monday talking to us after the trade deadline, you know, said he he's crediting the turnaround to May, March 18th when UC Soros came back from an injury. But you look through there, Pecorine got a couple wins through there to kind of help you know, keep them in position, okay? He was crucial while Saros was out, you know, playing back-to-back games and, and keeping things moving. And then Saros came comes back from IR and, you know, played way better than he had shown at the start of the season. And the curious thing, though, you know, David Poyle was like, well, we started so bad, we were playing the best teams in our division. Well, here's the thing. you If they get to the playoffs, and right now they kind of hold the – you know, they've got their control, you know, their destiny, so to speak, in their hands. You know, if they can keep winning out, they have the edge. Nobody can catch them 
you know, once they get done at the end of the season, n- number of games. You know, they're gonna some teams are gonna have to get hot, and the Predators are gonna have to have a cold stretch. Well, right, you know, last night they lose on the road to Carolina, one of you know the top team in the division, and they they've got Carolina again on on Saturday night. They're gonna have to beat one or two of these, you would think, to to be able to get in and hold that spot and get in the playoffs. But once they get to the playoffs. You know, maybe, yes, maybe Forsberg is back, Ailey Tovenin, they get that scoring power back, and maybe they can go on a run. They've been the, pretty much probably the, the hottest team in the NHL with the stretch, you know, had won 13 of 16 going into last night's game, which is very impressive. We've seen teams get hot uh, and go win the Cubs. St. Louis Blues did this a couple years ago. You know, they were at the bottom of the league in uh, the start January and then end up raising the cup. So could it happen? Sure. It's just, uh, you know, and, and when, you know, watching them Tuesday night, just, you know, kind of hand, manhandle, you know, the Tampa Bay Lightning, you want to think, okay, this is a team that can do it. But Vasilevsky was not net. So, you know, at some point this team is going to have to beat the good teams and not just the Detroits and the Chicago's and the Columbus, because, you know, first round, if you're fourth, you're going to be playing the top team in the division. So that's either Tampa Bay or Carolina or Florida, excuse me. And then you've got, uh, you know, then your second round, if you get past that, you know, and Tampa Bay just happens to be the defending Stanley Cup champs. And trust me, they're very confident over there. Their coach uh, after that game was simply just take the page, pull it out of the book, throw it away. This this game means nothing. Um, you know, despite the fact that they had been like five of six or five and six over the last 11 at that point. So uh, they're going to have to beat good teams if they're going to make a run in the postseason. But let's face it, to get to the postseason after where they were when I thought it was complete rebuild time, you know, sell off all the pieces you can, you know, keep the pieces that you have to to rebuild. But, uh, you know, I, I give them credit. And the funny thing is, because of the injuries, they've kind of had that youth movement anyway. Twelve rookies, a franchise record, have played for this team in this uh, shortened season because of injuries. So they've kind of benefited from that youth movement as well. But, you know, if they're going to, they're gonna, you know, at some point, they're going to have to do something more than what they've shown us if they're going to do more than just maybe get to the playoffs. Teresa, again, huge accomplishment. Teresa, I wanted to talk about two of the things that um, you touched on there, um, and you can go in whichever direction that interests you more. But one is um, Soros and Rene finally beginning to play like the one-two combination that I think Predators fans have expected for a while, which is a positive uh, going into this last stretch. The other is, and you touched briefly on this, the offense for the Preds doing this largely without a player like Forsberg, which again could be the kind of thing as you go forward that could be huge for the Preds down the stretch and into the playoffs. Oh, absolutely, Dave. And David Poyle kind of touched on that Monday that, you know, that getting some of these guys back from, you know, and they put Forsberg on IR a week ago. So, you know, may, you know, he might not be back to the end of the season. So we just don't know. But, you know, when Ryan Ellis came back in, you know, he showed no signs of having been out with an injury. He came back in, scored a quick goal, and has been really key in the last few games. So they're going to need that. But that, you know, that whole, when you trade for somebody, you know, you, you look for a little boost. Well, they could get that from, you know, Forsberg coming back, Colvin coming back, because they were scoring. I mean, you know, shoot, Forsberg, you know, uh, I think he's got 26 points. To, yeah, I mean, he's he had been on an almost point-a-game pace to start the season. So that could be really good for them to get those guys back because, you know, last night they were struggling to score goals. 
uh, they scored a ton on Tuesday night. The Cub fan of me said, you know, save a couple of these for the next game. You're going to need them. But, you know, these guys coming back, Duchesne, I'm still not sure about because I just haven't seen anything out of him in a Nashville uniform yet to make me think he can bring something uh, to this team. But, you know, Forsberg and Tolvanen are the two guys that I'm looking forward to most giving this team a chance to have a big boost on offense. Speaking on the Parks Motor Sales Hotline with Teresa Walker of the Associated Press. And, Teresa, um, we couldn't have you on without going back to the press conference that I'm sure you were in attendance for Tuesday over at Tennessee State's Gentry Center. Um, I sure was. <laughs> Dave and I talked about this at the start of the show. We've talked about it all week. Um, I don't think you can talk about this too much, though, just because I think it – garners that much attention what are your thoughts about Tennessee State football coach Eddie George well it makes I mean look at this TSU I was there for the announcement of the coach for TSU I wasn't there when they announced Rod Reed uh you know I I I, you know that's the level It's, it's FCS you know, I've got so much on my plate here in the state of Tennessee that I triage. I go to what I, you know, is absolutely most important. And on Tuesday, Eddie George going to TSU, important. And that story moved nationally. So, you know, they're already getting attention. You know, he, he, he couldn't talk to us after the news conference because he had to go be uh, do a national interview, which I'd say, well, I'm kind of national. I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, you know, that's the kind of attention that a TSU coach announcement hasn't gotten before. So, you know, absolutely, they're already starting to see benefits of it. Later that day, they announced a new TSU fund. We're, you know, trying to drive some fundraising to help improve the athletic facilities over there. And, you know, you see the, the contract, $400,000 a year, incentives up to 100000 on top of that. Uh, you know, he and we, we're still waiting to see exactly who he hires on his coaching staff. You know, it sure looks like Brandon Fisher, Jeff's son, is going to be the defensive coordinator. And we're still hearing, you know, Hugh Jackson possibly as offensive coordinator. You know, so it, it's, it, you know, when you bring these kind of names here, you know, it, it's bringing attention that TSU has not had. You know, now Deion Sanders, you know, what was the connection to, to, to Jackson State? You know, that, uh, that thing, you know, that just never really made sense. How long is he committed there for? Well, Eddie George, you know, he makes a commitment. His name's on that, too. You know, so, you know, if anyone who's known Eddie, you know, knows that he's going to do everything he possibly can. And, and I'll say this. This is a guy who was an athlete who became an actor who ended up performing on Broadway so it's like, you know, when he does something, he goes all out. So I don't doubt his commitment at all. And, you know, he can bring the resources and funding that has been so lacking to the TSU football program over the last few years. Rod Reed told reporters last Sunday that, you know, that their budget for recruiting, not much at all the last few years. It had been cut. You know, summer school for guys to stick around and work and get stronger and, you know, chemistry, all those things. You know, no, they just didn't really have that. So, you know, bringing those resources, is going to be that's the biggest thing that hiring an Eddie George does for TSU. Now he has to, they have to put all these pieces together, and you know we're going to have to wait and see. He said, you know, Dr. Allen made it very clear, want to compete for OVC championships and FCS titles like North Dakota State. So you got to start somewhere, and that's what they've done with Eddie. One of the names that you didn't mention that's been thrown about as a potential member of his coaching staff, Rod Woodson. That's a big name too, isn't it? If I'm if I'm wanting to play in a secondary, 
and getting coached by Rod Woodson, who played for, what, 20-plus years, it feels like, in the NFL. I mean, the guy was, you know, around forever and a Hall of Famer. And, you know, and, and, and we've seen it on the basketball side, you know, talented top recruits choosing to go play for HBCUs. HCBUs, I always, yeah, uh, historically black colleges and universities. There you go. And so guess what? You get a coaching staff like this, why shouldn't they be able to compete for top football talent? So, you know, yes, Alabama and, and some of these other SEC schools are going to have, you know, their, their, their chocolate fountains, their waterfalls, their sleeping <laughs> locker rooms like at LSU. But when you caught a chance, we're going to find out how much of a draw it is to be able to come and play for some of these NFL coaches because, face it, every football player, every basketball player thinks they can play, uh, be a pro someday. Well, if you think you've got that talent, you can come play for a guy who, who knows the NFL pretty intimately. Uh, that's going to be a huge drawing card. Before we let you touch on one final topic here in the final five minutes here on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, want to mention um, NASCAR this weekend. We usually have Terry Wilcox, T. Willie, to bring us up to speed in this segment. That was not the case today, obviously, but NASCAR will be running at Richmond this weekend. The truck race is on Saturday. The cup race is on Sunday. Both will air here on 101.7. Um, T. Willie will have his pre-race around 1230 on Sunday, so um, be sure and check that out. Again, Teresa Walker from the Associated Press here with us and swallowed up in all of this Tennessee State football coaching situation, Teresa. Vanderbilt hired a women's basketball coach this week. Boy, did she. I mean, give Candace Lee huge credit, okay? Uh, she went out and got somebody that people pretty much had her just staying at UConn until Gino retired and she would be the next coach. And instead of just assuming that, went and asked. And her husband, Tom Garrick, had been an, a Vandy assistant, you know, just a few years ago and at a time when they were going to the NCAA tournament and, and uh, you know, doing things in the postseason. So, you know, got, you know, it, it, and got her to say yes. I mean, some, that's the thing, you know, you, you what's the, the saying about, you, you know, you miss all the chances you, you never take. You miss and all so, the shots you don't take and closed mouths it, don't get fed. So yeah, absolutely. And that's what Candace got fed. She went and talked to her and sure enough, had somebody willing to take this opportunity. Guys, you know, when, when, when Stephanie White lost three starters, uh, you know, I think that they were trying to be, you know, they didn't want to get rid of her after, you know, they, they opted out of the season in a pandemic. But when you lose three starters, it kind of forced their hand. And at this point, yes, Stephanie White on paper, Melanie Balcom at the time looked like winning coaches. But when you look at Shea Ralph uh, and the standards that she's been living up to for the, you know, for much of the last 20 years, got to think that this has got the potential to be a home run for Vanderbilt, especially at a program that people forget 93, they went to a final four. Okay. Uh, you know, this is a program with 25, 26 NCAA bursts, a bunch of elite eights and things like that. They have a program and a history of success in women's basketball over there and bringing in Shay Ralph. She gets that. She remembers that she was playing against Vandy in those days. So I can't wait to see what she does to, you know, one who the staff she brings in, but uh, you know, this is a woman who does not like to lose. So, and, and, and her track record five years at Pittsburgh and she's been with UConn for the last 13 final fours. Uh, she knows how, to, what it takes to get there and to coach top talent. So I can't wait to watch. Does not like to lose. Has not done a lot, a lot of it. Shay Ralph, the new women's basketball coach at Vanderbilt 
Speaking of successful, Teresa uh, Teresa Walker, I did it. Um, <laughs> Teresa Walker of the Associated Press with us here on the Parks Motor Sales Hotline. Teresa, appreciate you spending some time with us this Friday morning. Have a great weekend. My pleasure, Mo. Dave, you have an awesome weekend as well. Thank you, ma'am. And that's going to kind of close it out for us here on this Friday edition of Southern Middle Tennessee Sports. I want to thank Dave Foster again for, for making the drive down here to be in studio with us this morning. I had a great time. You know, we touched on so many topics today, so many sports topics. We didn't even get to a huge one that starts tonight, Tennessee Vandy Baseball. Huge series. We got on, on that yesterday, yeah. but yeah, that's a huge series, and, and it's huge for all the right reasons. Tennessee and Vanderbilt both ranked in most top fives nationally. Um, Six o'clock tonight on ESPNU for that one. Chad Dallas gets the start for UT. Kumar Rocker coming off of a rough one last week against Georgia will be on the bump for the Commodores. So um, six today, three tomorrow, noon on Sunday. Should be a great series. It it should be a lot of fun, really. Um, Again, thanks, Dave, for coming in. want to thank Joe, uh, Joe Fisher for joining us yesterday and George Plaster on Wednesday. Chris Yao should be back in studio on Monday. Thank you all for listening to us here on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today presented by Mitch. Thank you for listening to the Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today special guest podcast brought to you by Parks Motor Sales. Don't forget to listen each day live 9 to 11 a.m. on WKOM 1017 FM in Columbia. Also visit our website sm-tnsports.com for more local sports coverage in Southern Middle Tennessee.